This is Pod Populi, podcast for the people. Hi, my name is Dr. Sarah Adams. I am a board-certified pediatrician, but I'm not your pediatrician. Feel free to use my podcast as helpful information, but in no way do I intend my podcast to replace the advice of your physician. Your physician knows you and is in the best position to provide medical advice. Hello, and welcome to Growing Up with Dr. Sarah. Nellie Harden is a wife, mom, and family life and leadership coach. She's a dreamer, and she comes from a diverse background, including marine science, behavior, and family wellness. She decided years ago that living a life designed by purpose and for freedom was how she and her husband, along with her four daughters, wanted to live. As I mentioned today, she is now a family life and leadership coach, and she helps parents eliminate power struggles with their daughters and grow into confident, wise, and respectful young women that are actually ready for the world. She believes that a family filled with creativity, fun, laughter, challenge, adventure, problem solving, hugs, good food, and learning can not only change a person's life, but is the best chance at positively changing the world. Thank you so much, Nellie, for joining me today. I had an opportunity to look at your website, which I want to tell everybody and we'll remind everyone at the end, uh, which is NellieHarden.com. And I love that you have a podcast as well and are a mom, just like me. And your podcast is called the 6570 Family Project, correct? Yep, that's right. So tell us a little bit more about you and your family, if you're welcome to that, and especially the 6570 podcast, because I will, uh, or the the project itself, and I will tell you, when I was looking over things uh, to prepare for today, I actually took my calendar calculator out. Oh, and good, I, and good. I said, I'm assuming that's 18 years, but I'm just going to like do the math. And I did. And I thought, wow, I love that because I'm part of a nutrition program uh, through the AAP where we focus on the first 1000 days, mm. but there's a lot of days uh, past that too. And uh, I, I think that's very clever, but it also, I think as parents makes us realize that uh Although when you say 18 years, it seems like a long time when you really start to break it down. We have a short window to really make a difference in their lives. Absolutely. And that's where that comes from. So, um, so yeah, a little bit about my family. Uh, we live on the East Coast in North Carolina, but we're Midwesterners. Um, at least my husband and I were. We moved here seven years ago. So some of our girls who are right now 17, 15, 15, and 13. So we are in the house with all teenage girls right now. And um, it's a really unique time of life. And I do have a diverse background. Uh, my my career and professional background has always been based in psychology and biology. 
But it started off in the animal realm and I was in uh, marine mammalogy and studying behavior. And then I was in the wild and then I was in captivity, not me personally, but studying in captivity. Yeah. <laughs> and um, and then it moved to veterinary. And then I retired from all animal uh, when I was pregnant with twins because, you know, you just don't do anything when you're pregnant with twins. <laughs> okay. Yeah. You stop all things. I, I think it was this moment when this great Dane, I was wrestling with this great Dane and I was like six weeks weeks uh, pregnant. And I knew it was twins already. And I was like, okay, we're done. <laughs> like it's been yeah. uh, how many years at that point? I was like, we're done. And, um, but it's, it's, uh, it's brought so much uh, to my life now as well. And I still practice and volunteer in different areas too, but little did I know that less than a year later, we were going to have to use so much of that um, discipline training, uh, reinforcement training, biology, psychology work that I had been in for our own family because my husband ended up in ICU with a heart condition, um, hypertrophic cardiomyopathy. So, oh, wow. Yeah. So, and it was just triggered uh, with, he, you know, just uh, took some over-the-counter ginkgo biloba because someone was like, hey, it's good for memory. And he's like, oh, I'm terrible memory. And so he took it and it was enough of a stimulant to trigger everything. Wow. And he was in ICU within two days. And so the point being, we went through a lot as a family together. We, um, we didn't know if he was going to make it or not. After two years of treatments, he ended up having surgery. And then when you're faced and you have four kids that are four and under, and you don't know if your husband's going to make it or not. And as a family, we really went through this. There was, um, there was a lot of really big light bulb moments that happened for us. And one of them was the 6570. And that being how many days we have in this very, unique, very one of a kind window of this parenthood childhood dynamic that you never have again, the kind of impact, the kind of influence that you have in their lives during this 6570. And like you said, that's how many days are in 18 years. You never have that again. Um, and what gets solidified in the heart and in the head and even brain development, right? I just, I love the dance between biology and psychology. And so what all happens there, again, that is creating the cement of who they are later on and how they're going to deal with issues and normal stresses and, you know, uh, what they want to do with their life and pursue and if they'll speak up and all of those things are really created during these years and these days. And so being intentional every single day is, is really a rock part of the foundation of being a parent, which I call architects because, uh, uh, you know, an architect plans, designs, and builds. And we as parents are planning, designing, and building the beginning of someone else's life, which is a really, really big, humbling responsibility. And so that's where the 6570 uh, Family Project came from. Architects have projects. So this is, as a parent, this is your biggest project is the 6570. I would say so for sure. And it go it like it goes fast, you know, it really so does. Fast. And it also is a time when you're building that relationship with your child too. Right. I mean, you're doing it for them, but you're doing it for your whole family. Well, I hope your husband is is doing well. Uh 
He is. Um, ironically enough, we as as the time of this recording, we just found out yesterday uh, because we had genetic testing done that three of our four daughters um, also have the markers for HCM. And so now we start the entire um, process with them. So uh, we'll see. We have to go and do all the testing again, but we had a family meeting and a family huddle, you know, if you will, last night and we went through, you know, we've been dealing with this our whole lives. So nothing really has changed because we've had dad. Right. Mm-hmm. But now it's also, it's also you, the balls in your court. So we need to be a lot more responsible about choices. I have, you know, one of them is going off to college next year. So I'm just so grateful that we found out now so that she has that knowledge going off. And I mean, we all know that college can be a crazy time, but knowing that she can make more responsible decisions that are sound for her now and future. So anyway, that was just yesterday. So we're all still kind of reeling from all of that. Well, definitely be thinking of you and your family, but I have to also think that the work that you've put into your project of your family has set that foundation and that resiliency in your girls to, to manage this going forward. Whereas, you know, and, and what I love about what I've learned about you too, Nellie, is that you decided I am going to take this and be a advocate for other parents and, and coach them and lead them into this, those 65, 70 days, which has its highs and lows. And so that they are prepared for moments just like this. That's exactly what we're talking about. So I know we're, we've just met, but I have a good feeling that your girls are going to do very well and knowing this information ahead of time and um, moving forward that they've already got the foundation that they have because of, because of you and your husband and, and the work that you've put in it, which is, is a 24 seven job. And <laughs> there's a couple things that I, I learned uh, about you too. And one was that I love that you said that, you know, we don't, they're not born with a manual. And I have said that in my podcast many times. Uh, I shared a story about my sister-in-law who said, are you the perfect parent because you're a pediatrician? And I said, if my kids read all the books that I read, <laughs> you know, and and absolutely did everything I told them to do, then yeah, I would be. But if that's just, they're not born with manuals. It's, yeah. it's very, And they're all unique in their own way. And, um, and so that, you know, is always and and you get these in that 6570 days, I in your bio, I love it's just it's an adventure, it's joy, it's tears, it's all of the above. And um, we share a passion in that really, we want to help parents to be their, their coach, be their child's coach. I'm going to quote what you said in on your website. And that is that we want parents to be the expert in their child's life. And um, so I I think that's so important. So tell me, thinking back and and having teenagers now, I find that a lot of parents have a really hard time just talking to their teens. Yeah. And I'd love to hear your thoughts and recommendations on just opening that communication and 
being there for your child and knowing even how to respond because so much of it is listening. Mm-hmm. I know for me, I always want to fix things or I just want to tell them you'll be okay, but yeah, that's not helpful. No, <laughs> yeah, oh, okay. I, I see the I'll heart be okay. behind there, but yes. <laughs> oh, okay. I'll be okay. Great. You know, yeah. <laughs> I even said to my son, uh, you know, who's an adult, he interviewed for a job and he didn't, he didn't get the job, his dream job. And I told him the old, I said, I know this is really cliche, but when one door closes, another door opens. And, you know, I'm trying to be really positive and share with him. And he basically said to me, he's like, mom, he goes, I appreciate what you're saying. He goes, but you know, it's just hard to see that right now. And I'm like, yeah, Yeah. I get it. Yeah. So I think one of the most important things that we need to keep in mind as parents is understanding that a transition happened. So there's obviously a huge transition that happens when your your child comes into the home, right? That's obvious. They weren't there, or at least they were tucked away inside, or maybe they were adopted, what have you. But when they came into the home and they became a part of your family and your everyday life, then that was a big transition. And there's another one when they leave and they go off and start their own adventures of life. But there's one in the middle that so many parents don't know about and uh, just kind of take for granted. Like we were so close when he was or she was six or he or she, right? We were so close when uh, they were eight. And I just don't understand what happened. There is a massive transition that happens. Uh, I call it the great transition. In fact, that happens. And again, every child's different, like you're saying. So eight, nine, 10, sometimes 11, right in there. And it's not overnight, although some pieces of it can seem to be, mm-hmm. um, but it's a, it's a gradual transition and they go from, as a parent, you go from, I am building life for you, right? Remember we're architects. So I'm building life for you. I'm telling you who your friends are. I'm telling you what we're eating. I'm telling you where we're going. I'm telling him dictating spoon feeding life to you. To the second half of childhood, which is really where I work in many or uh, much for this reason, we're building life with you because childhood being the training ground of life, well, okay, they they have their security, they uh, you've filled their um, you know their uh, physical needs and all of that um, during their first half. And you've loved them and given them that sense of security of who they are, you know, that you're going to be there for them, their home, all of those things. Second half now, we need to start shifting as parents and start building worth, start building esteem and value and start building confidence. But that's a with you endeavor that can't be a for you endeavor. I mean, we all know as adults that you know, to your point, and when you were talking to your son, you can't go up to them and say, it'll be okay. And they're like, okay, well, jolly, you know, (laughs) jolly bee, that's awesome. You know, you spoon, spoon fed me confidence. Now I have it. That isn't the way that that works. And when they're in that second half of childhood, they start having a life more and more outside of just the family unit at home too. And so helping them find that worth, esteem, and val I'm sorry, worth, esteem, and confidence within themselves and also see and, and train them how to see that in uh, the world out there, but mostly in themselves and live from the inside out, not outside in, right? Um, and today we live amongst influencing uh, everywhere, right? There's They wake up in the morning and there are 
1.5 million influencers knocking on their, their neural doors, if you will, saying, look at me, look at me, look at me. And so having them sift through those, all of this is a training process. So yes, we are parents. Yes, we are, you know, I, I, in survival mode, helping them do that, but much, much more than that, it has to be an intentional building effort toward this worth esteem and confidence so that then when they leave home, they aren't chasing those things out there because they know where they can find them in inside and they know good places they can find them in the world. Um, so in talking to, to your original question, um, how do I talk to my kid? Well, the first thing you need to understand is you're not talking to your seven or six-year-old again. Those cuddles on the couch, they were precious and they will always be a part of that intense memory and connection that you have. But in the second half of childhood, it is a daily renewing a connection that needs to happen over and over again. And so you always have to get to know who they are that day, right? Who are you today? Who are you today? And not with that question per se, but hey, what are you doing? What are you interested in? What are you looking at on social? I saw this really crazy thing today. And what did you see, right? Um, who are you talking to? There's this guy that I follow and I really like him. Maybe you can follow him too, but who do you follow? Maybe I'll like them, right? All of these constant conversations have to be happening because as a parent, we just need to get into the mindset, I'm getting to know them now because we all know there's a huge difference between who they are at 12, who they are at 15, who they are at 17 or 18. And so as a parent, as their as their guide, as their teacher in this training ground of life, it's our job to get to know them so that we can learn how to help them and build that those three things with them. And the questions that the examples of the questions that you used, I noticed they are open-ended instead of yes, no, you know, (laughs) because if you use yes, no, you know, questions that are just yes or no, that's what you're going to get. You're going to get a yes or no. But I love the idea that each day you have to remake that connection because they are during that time. There's such a flux of change. Right. And I also think too, what I discovered when my boys were growing up and I feel like one of them was gradual and the other one was definitely felt like it was overnight. I remember waking (laughs) up one day and going, who is this man? And what have you done with my son? You know, (laughs) my child, but it it is, it's, it's kind of a, I I would say, and it's almost like a loss, but you have to, you have to move on and go forward with it. And um, it's, it's like having that connection, but giving them space right. and knowing when to pull them back in as well. So funny you say that. So I actually, uh, so our um, our signature program in the 6570 is called Take the Lead. It's all about loving and leading them in a way that teaches them to love and lead themselves before they leave home. And I start off uh, with a story and it's about this uh, family. They live on the coast and it's not modeled after mine by any means, but they live on the coast, a a lake or what have you. And there's uh, the parents are building a boat. uh, First half of childhood, the parents are building a boat out in the yard. They're the ones out there with the hammer and the nails and they're building this and they're doing things. And then comes the middle, right? This great transition. And that's when mom and dad or parents and and, uh, and child grab the boat and walk it down to the water together. 
right? This is a great transition that's happening. It's not just the parents uh, building now. It's this is a we thing and we're getting ready to go into the water. And then the child gets in the boat in the water and the parents are on the shore and there's this rope that, that that's connected between them. And it's uh, however many days that you have left, right? It started off as 65, 70, and now it's about half that. And and every day it gets a little shorter. But during that second half of childhood, they are learning how to navigate the storms. They're learning how to use the navigation. They're learning all of, um, you know, how to seal something when it comes, right? All those life things that are happening, they're learning in that second half. And sometimes you're like, so did you get it? Okay, no. Okay, wheel them back in, teach mm-hmm. them how, and then they go out again. And it's this constant back and forth, right? That's happening during that time. And then at the end, they're in their ship, they know what to do, and they go off. And they go and have their great adventure. And they come back and visit every so often. But now the parents we are more of a lighthouse. We are more of the consultants, you know, what do I do here and there? And then they visit and it's wonderful. And then they go off again. And so home is always the lighthouse, but that's what, that's kind of the story about what we're doing here and what's going on in the first half, the transition, the second half, and then after the 6570. And I I love that because I I really did I did use that. <laughs> so I'm glad to hear that uh, at least I did something, one thing right. You know, it's it's very easy, I will tell you as a parent now of adult children to look back and go, oh, did I mess up? But you can't. That's why that's why the the front windshield is bigger than the rear view mirror, right? Mm-hmm. We need to really spend mo- most of our time looking forward and less time looking back. And so, um, but I did, I did that. And I kind of shared that mine was more of, I use the word rope, but not the boat. And I kind of shared that with my kids too. And I said, look, you know, with respect and with responsibility and things, if, you know, we also kind of had an unspoken rule that look, if, you're in trouble. I'll bring you back. Mm-hmm. If, if you're not making the best decisions, I'm going to reel you back in, you know, mm-hmm. but I'm also going to give you that space Absolutely. to, to, to really learn to make those decisions. And because when they do go, it, it is, it is a whole different mindset for a parent. I'm mm-hmm. grateful that I actually felt very, I felt safe in my own mind and worried less as they left, you know? And so I really want parents to, to feel that too, Mm -hmm. because that is, it's a, that's another very big change. It is. It's a huge change. And when, so I, most of the time work with parents of young women, because if they don't have this rock solid foundation before they leave home, that they can then stand on, lean on, launch from later on. And instead it's a foundation that is, um, did you ever see the movie uh, Tom Hanks was in it, The Money Pit? 
and yes. he's walking up the stairs and his feet fall through that. I, I speak in movie references a lot. And so uh, that's what comes to mind when I'm thinking about some of these young women that are out there with this foundation that's faulty, right? It's very frail. And that means that they'll fall into it instead of being able to launch from it later on. And when a young woman in particular, young men too, but especially young women leave home without this foundation, then they're busy chasing that worth. And a young woman chasing her worth is a very dangerous place to be for her. And, you know, is she chasing it in uh, grades? Is she chasing it in her academics in general, in honors, in sports, in boys, in what have you? How is she chasing that worth and what is it doing to her and affecting her? And I was one of those young women and it really altered the entire course of my life just from that few months after I left home at 17 to go to college and I did not have that foundation and I chased my worth down some really dark alleys and then it altered the course of the next couple of decades of my life. And so it really, really is very imperative that we understand where we are in our parenting, our parenthood, childhood journey, the 6570, and we know what to do during that time in order to equip them to leave. And every parent is different. Every family is different. It's like a fingerprint. And so in the work that we do, it's really um, important to ask them and ask questions like, what do you want by the end of the 6570? What does that look like for you? And having it all, uh, having them all answer those things, there's always parent homework to, or family homework to go throughout. So, um, and I just wanted to touch on one quick thing that you had said, uh, the, did I make a mistake? Every parent, if your answer is not, yes, I made a mistake at some <laughs> point in, in parenthood, then there's something, you know, there's some uh, crux in the system there. And as a parent, you will fail. And your kids need to know that you can fail as a parent as well, because it gives them permission to fail and try and do things every day too. And so even there's been times that I've had to go back to my kids and be like, you know what I said, you know, last night or last week. And when you were asking me about this, I've thought about it more. And I really don't think I was right in that. And just letting them know, this is how I've thought about it more. What do you think? Right. And having that mutual conversation, not just a dictating conversation. And so Again, that's part of that build with them philosophy to get them ready for the outside world. Yes, because I'm sure everyone listening has heard either a, you know, a child say, you don't know anything or mm. the opposite. You think, you know, everything. <laughs> <laughs> and so being human and showing them that we're also human and, uh, and teaching them too to feel forward and realizing like, yeah, you know, we're, we're all, I love that. We, I, I, I think that that is such a, a great way to think about it because knowing just the developmental stages of adolescence in general, those early stages, they do kind of get away from the family you know, they, they value different things mm -hmm. and those family values come back as they go into young adulthood, thankfully. But if you're not prepared for that, 
then it, it can it can be like you know a tsunami to your whole world yeah. really so. it really can yeah now i i heard once and this was years ago but it really stuck with me as a pediatrician and i'm also somebody who you know i try very hard to keep medicine as a practice in mm-hmm. as an art you know it's a practice because we're and so is parenting. It's a practice, like a project. Like you said, we're constantly rebuilding and connecting every day. My point is, I remember hearing a psychologist once, and again, this was years ago, say that if you didn't change a behavior by the time they were 11, then it was too late. Now, mm-hmm. I take that because, yes, I understand that we are we have those 65, 70 days, and we need to make them count for sure. But I'm also a person, an optimistic person and think it's never too late. Like, what are your thoughts when you see families that do want to come and start working with you when they're younger, you know, in that tween age, but let's say they're, they've got a 15 year old and Mm -hmm. they really want to try to, you know, maybe the architecture isn't working. So they need to go back to the drawing board. Like, yeah. Tell me your thoughts about timing. And, and I truly believe it's never too late. I, I, first of all, agree. And I understand I've, I've, you know, read the the psychology and I understand a lot of those, you know, core beliefs and things like that are set in place in those uh, younger years. But if you're dealing with a behavior that is uh, not good or not um, uh, benefiting who they are, right. Or the people around them, um, but especially who they are, it's it. You can still address that. And I've had uh, people with seventeen-year-olds that are coming to me and saying, "Okay, we need this help." So if you're at that more mature age, not mature behavior, but mature age um, of your child, really sitting down, vulnerability is key, 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 right? So sitting down and saying, "Listen." You are about to go out into this world and this world is a beautiful place, but it can also be a really hard place. And it's my job as a parent to make sure you are ready for that and work this with you. And this, these are some ABCD, whatever behaviors that I'm seeing right now, and those will hurt you out there. So I'm going to just talk you through some things and we have different things depending on what it is that we're talking uh, to talk through, but really just being vulnerable and saying, you know, owning your part in it and saying, this is something when you were 14 that I probably should have helped you with. And I didn't. And I'm really sorry about that. Having a parent be vulnerable to you and apologizing to you for their part in anything that's happening is so, so powerful. There are countless families that their kids leave home without their parent ever having uttered the words, I'm sorry to them. And, you know, they might've said, oh, I'm sorry. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about a real genuine apology for something. And that means a lot because you can't see them do something and then walk away or be snide about it and not apologize and be genuine about it. If you can't do it first, it's so much of you lead, they follow. You lead, they follow. It won't be a carbon copy. Sometimes it could be, but it's not usually going to be a carbon copy of you. But those basics are going to be. So if you can't sit down and be vulnerable and apologize and own your own part, we can't expect them to. But 
it is an elbow, if you will, in the in the path. If you can sit down, even at that more like 16, 15, 16, 17 year old, say, okay, this is the time we have left. Where do you want to be by the time you leave home? How can I help you get there? And I'm really sorry that I haven't stepped up beforehand or done, you know, what you needed of me. So um, vulnerability, vulnerability is key. And I think that I I know for me, you know, being a parent and a wife, obviously, you know, all those things, but being a parent was one of my most important jobs. Yeah. But I was also very sensitive about it too. And so I try very hard in my practice to use language that is sensitive mm-hmm. because I I never want them to think, look, you're not a good parent. This is not what I'm trying to tell right. you or that you have done anything wrong or I, but when I see them struggling, I do try to take that approach where you are their 24 seven counselor, their teacher, their instructor. Right. And that's what I love about your quote about being their expert. So how, how can parents accept the fact that they need help and, and, you know, because you're talking about vulnerability and there's, you know, we don't know what we don't know. So if someone actually needs, needs the guidance, you know, um, like something like take the lead, how do you recommend making those first steps? Well, I almost think that parents have somewhat of an easy excuse to need help today. And I I say that with, you know, air quotes around it, but because we live in a time of parenting that no parent has ever had to live through before. Correct. And so when we, in our past, right, parenting was, we are the parents and you are the child. And now, and you were the greatest influencers in their life, except for like maybe a track coach or a gymnastics coach or a basketball coach, whatever. Or another, or another parent. Of yeah, friends, a parents. friend's parent and things like that. But today, our kids are waking up and being quote unquote parented by millions of people, right? Even their peers, because they're being influenced by them, right? All the shoulds, you should do this, you should do this. If you do this, that means that you have this label and then you need to, you know, live in this label and you need to do this, right? And so parents today need more of a village, an an intentional village. I always say, you know, crazy aunt Sally, just because she's your crazy aunt doesn't mean that she should necessarily be in your village, right? (laughs) Um, Be intentional about the village that you set up because we all need to come together to help raise our kids stronger, even though they are being bombarded and distracted and tempted by more today than they ever have before. And it's always right in front of their face. It's always, whether that's someone talking to them about something, whether it is a device that they have in front of their face, there's so many distractions today. And we as parents really need to like come together as a, a, as an army of trainers to help this generation figure out how do we do that? And what's tricky is that this generation of parents, me, you know, it, 
I didn't grow up with all of these distractions, but they are. And so right now is the time that parents really need to come together in order to do this and just say, okay, what are we going to do in order to help this next generation? Not think I have it all together. It's fine. What can we do to come together and be here for this next generation? Um, Because there's a lot of really, really, really broken kids out there. And some of them come from great homes even, but they're still so broken just because of the distractions and the temptations and everything that are bombarding them every day. And they don't have those inner uh, mechanics, those inner skill sets, mindsets and toolboxes, right. In order to help them through that. And so we need to come together as parents to do that right now. And I think that's a great way to say it. I'm definitely going, um, that I, I'm definitely going to reiterate that too to families um, because it, it is it's it's sensitive, but yeah. at the same time, I think they they know, and I think um, you know you mentioned uh, you know I saw on your website that perfectionism, and I think that this that perfectionism is not a new concept. No, know? no. However, it's. I think it's much harder on our children and parents for that Mm -hmm. matter, because we see, you know, social media has a way of making everything look perfect. Right. And so um, perfectionism, I think is something that is leading to quite a bit of anxiety and that need to be social and make friends. And we, I, I call the anxiety and, depression and some of the other mental health um, problems that we're having right now with children and it's starting younger and younger in and of itself is its own pandemic. And so of course, the earlier you identify the better, but at the same time, you know, it it is a dated, I love that concept of it's a day-to-day connection because yes, things can happen gradually, but if, if you're not in tune every single day, what is your go-to when your kids, I don't know if your kids are attending school or homeschool, but what, when you see them for the first time after their school day, what is your welcome line? I'd love to know. <laughs> uh, well, first of all, we did homeschool for seven years and this is their first year back in a school outside of home. So that's another transition we're going through anyway. Yes. And when we pick them up, um, we, uh, with my three youngest, my oldest one drives, but I still do the same thing when she comes home. And so, uh, it's like, Hey guys, how are you? And everybody has about five minutes to run through their day and tell me all the things that mattered. I was like, I don't need to know, you know, you went to the bathroom at 11 PM or 11 AM or whatever, (laughs) but you know, what mattered to you today? And so they run all through it. And then, uh, I'm like, Oh, okay. So this, and we address a couple of things and, you know, bring light on a couple of things, then the next one, then the next one. And then my oldest, when she comes home. And so it's just a debriefing, right? Because when we were in homeschooling for seven years, we knew each other's every moves, you know, during that time, what they were learning, what they were doing uh, with what they learned, projects that were due, um, friend circles and all of that. And this year it's different because there's that separation there. And so we've just learned to be in open communication about that 
because of, um, I think in part anyway, because of our seven years of homeschooling. And so, yeah, that's what we do. Just like, okay, day debrief, let's go. And then um, usually in the kitchen at night, uh, all cell phones are put away at six o'clock in our home. So six o'clock, there's a, there's a box that's actually behind me over there. Uh, phones go in the box. And then um, uh, we just have family time and we talk and we make dinner and we usually make dinner. Um, many times we make dinner all together as a family, all six of us in the kitchen. And uh, we're it's chaotic and fun and busy. And <laughs> there's usually some dancing going on, definitely music. Um, and that's just how we kind of come together. And so from when they get home, they have a few hours for homework. And if they need more, then it's after nine. But from six to nine, that's our time as a family. And I know that there's people listening now saying, I really want that. So how do you take the first steps with families to start building that routine of having that connection? Yeah. And that takes just a family huddle and show your intentions. Um, listen to everybody, right? There's, we've talked you know, a lot about talking and communication in here, and there's some things in communication that you absolutely can't do. I call them the enemies of communication, right? And so that is, uh, one of them is dismissing, which you kind of brought up earlier and that's, it'll be fine. It'll be fine, but then they don't feel heard. Right. And we, um, there's a, a complimentary um, gift that I have for people called the five needs that your teen has right now and how to uh, easily fill them. And because it feeds into those five needs, which is to be seen, heard, love, belong, and purpose. And so when you are trying to have a conversation with them and you might be dismissing them out of a total love in your heart, right? But to them, they hear, I, you know, what I'm going through obviously doesn't matter, or it's not a big enough deal, or I'm not a big enough deal and what have you, depending on the age and stage, right? Um, but uh, interrupting, mocking, right? Um, sarcasm and ignoring are the other ones. So when you sit down as a family to have these conversations, make sure everyone gets heard, right? It, even if you have to, I get together with a group on Saturday nights, my husband and I do, there's uh, six to eight adults, depending on who's in town. And sometimes those nights like get a little heated between some people and there's a talking stick. And so <laughs> with the family too, just because we're debating, we're all great friends. But anyway, uh, with um, your family too, you can have a talking stick or you can have a talking, whatever the remote, you know, just pass it around and be like, I have the remote. And please listen, right? And so whatever that is, but have a family huddle, let them know your intentions, let them know the why. Does anyone have any comments or concerns? You know, pros, cons, let's go. We're a big fan of pros, cons lists. Um, even when we moved across the country, we did it for, for you know, our lifestyle. We didn't do it for work. And when we moved from the Midwest to the East Coast and my youngest was in kindergarten, by golly, she knew like she knew that her opinion was going to be asked of her and that it meant something. And so we have, we were at a pizza place and I have a pros cons list. I still have it in one of my journals of everyone's pros cons for moving and what that would mean, because all four of them were going from four different different bedrooms to one. And so it was <laughs> it was a That's big, a big deal. change. Yeah. Yes, it was. And um, so there was pros and the cons and we talked about it and discussed it. But if the family can see we're a team, mom and dad are leaders, but we're a team together. And if one of us need, has something to say, then we all listen, right? It's really, really important to get that kind of atmosphere. And if you don't have it yet, 
just start it with a little bit of intention, one step of intention saying, hey guys, can I talk to you? So I really want to bring a team atmosphere to us because I know some things happen with you and some things happen with you. And I want to make sure that we're all supporting one another because it's hard out there, right? One of the things that I always say is out there, you're one in a billion. In here, you're one of us, right? Mm -hmm. And so- in here, we need to support each other and help uh, build one another up so that when we go out there, we're strong. And so I want to do that here. And one of the things that I want to do is start to have, maybe just start with an hour if you're not used to it, or two hours of no phone time and family time downstairs. Like I want you downstairs, no phones, and we're just going to hang out, right? Yeah. Play a game, watch a show, whatever. And I like that because if if you set the bar too high, then it it it's it it might not seem um attainable. Right. So you have to set attainable goals and limits for your family. Right. And then build on that. And likely that one hour of time is gonna grow because you you find that you really do enjoy. And then modeling too. Mm-hmm. I know for John and I. Sorry, John, I'm about to throw my husband under the bus, but, (laughs) you know, we'll say no phones at the kitchen table, Mm. but then sometimes it's just us and there he is with his phone. And I'm like, you know, and (laughs) and so we, we have to, we have to model that too as well. And, uh, change is hard, even when it's good. Oh, 100%. But it can be done with just one step at a time. Well, I know for sure, Nellie, you and I could probably talk all day. And <laughs> yes. uh, I want to encourage others to, first of all, she is, again, the host of the podcast, The 6570 Family Project. And I know one of the podcasts I definitely want to listen to is the one about toddlers and teenagers because, mm. you know, and their mind and that brain development yep. because <laughs> the, the brain is so, you know, the MRI and the way the brain lights up for a toddler is so similar to teenagers. And I know that's what helped me when my kids were teens. I kind of was like, okay, think of them as a toddler. You know, (laughs) you you want to give them space to grow and have autonomy, but we need to also make sure that they're safe. And uh, so I really want to encourage others to, um, to definitely subscribe to the, the podcast 6570 family project. But you can also find her at Nellie Harden um, or at the 6570 Project on social media. And then again, NellieHarden.com. And I want to thank you. I have goosebumps. Thank you so much for sharing your passion, your knowledge, your own experience with your family. I know that this it, it's going to help others. And absolutely, people, if you're inspired Uh, reach out because I love your energy and your enthusiasm and want to thank you for the work that you're doing for parents and for children so that when they do go out in the world, not only are they better off, but as parents, you're going to enter your second part (laughs) of your life with joy and, uh, and your kids need to see that too. So. All right. Well, thank you so very much for having me. Thank you. And thank you everybody for listening. And please follow me wherever you like to enjoy your shows, like Spotify and Apple podcast, of course. And let's just continue to do what we can and grow up together. 